Well, hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us today at King's Church, whether this is your first time ever. Uh, there's many of you that are just jumping in for the first time. Uh, or to all of my King's Church family that I miss so much. It is good to be together, even though we are sort of separate. Uh, we are one church, though, and we're one church in multiple locations. I do have to admit that uh, this is many more locations than I ever envisioned or anticipated. But it is amazing the fact that we can simultaneously right now gather together all over Atlantic Canada and even people tuning in around the world uh, to hear what God's having to say specifically to us in this time and in this place. And I do believe that this is a growth season, not just a season where God's refining us as individuals and as a church, but it's going to be unto growth. And we're already seeing not just us grow as individuals and our character be refined and a deepening of our affection and our direction for God, but we're also seeing just a growth in how many people are being involved with us. Our engagement is absolutely through the roof. And today's no different. Just literally by the end of Sunday, there will have been thousands of people uh, joined together with us and worship God. So that's a cool thing. Uh, the church isn't going anywhere in this season. We're growing, and I am confident of that. And I am confident uh, that God is going to do such an incredible work through this season and this COVID crisis. I'm believing for a great awakening to happen, not just in Canada, not just in North America, but all over the world. Uh, I'm believing for it. But today I want to jump into the Word of God for a few minutes. If you have a Bible, go ahead and grab it, you and your family, or maybe you're, you're there to, to, uh, with, by yourself or with your spouse. Go ahead and grab a Bible, pull it up on your screen. We'll have it here as well. But this is all about getting into the Word and just hearing what God wants to say to us today. And to the title of my message actually has to do with hearing. The, the title of my message is this, The Sound of Heaven, Heaven's Soundtrack. I'm going to talk about the sound of heaven or the soundtrack for life. Uh, last fall, if you remember, there were several major windstorms that happened in Atlanta, Canada. It kicked off with Hurricane Dorian. That hit our Halifax clan a lot harder than it did us here in New Brunswick. But it was a ferocious windstorm. Oddly enough, that didn't knock out the power at my home. It wasn't until later, there were several more windstorms. And I think it was maybe the third one, uh, maybe in November, late October, that it passed over our region and it knocked our power out. We'd put the kids to bed and the, the storm came and somewhere in the night the power went off. I noticed, went back to sleep. But my kids didn't notice until they did. And we woke up that morning, the next morning, at about 6.15 to the voice of my four-year-old, Alex, screaming out in, in borderline panic yelling the following words. He, he said this, I mean, it, picture dead quiet in my home. And then we hear the, the voice of our little four-year-old say, the sound is gone. The sound is gone. And Melanie and I kind of pop up in bed and realize what's going on. And I go and I get my, my son and he was reacting to the fact that all of the sounds of his whole life the sounds, the ambient sounds, the white noise, the sounds of his parents, the, the, the sounds that he has heard his whole life, all of a sudden when the power went out had stopped. And so he verbalized it by saying, the sound is gone. And I thought, you know what, that's a really clever way of thinking about how powerful sound is. A lot of the time you and I don't think about how 
much sound actually affects us. And oftentimes it's not until it's gone that we realize how much we'd been hearing it. Sound is an unbelievably powerful sense that has the power to affect and direct your whole life. Sound is a bit unique. All your senses are, are given by God to help you interpret and to help you navigate this world, to process information in different ways. But perhaps of all of the senses, sound serves as a connector or a bridge that helps us interpret and make connections with other senses. Uh, some of you might not think about it this way, but sound is such a powerful thing that it actually, all the time, it's always on. It's always serving us if you have the ability to hear. And I, I actually thought this week I would reach out to a friend of mine, Heather, her husband, Andrew, my, my good fishing buddy, and they have a daughter named Allison who was born without the ability to hear. She's deaf. And so they, they've obviously learned how to, how, to, how to love and how to grow and how to teach uh, their child without the ability to have audible conversations. So they've had to learn uh, sign language and they've had to just learn a whole lot. And I've actually had the benefit of being in relationship with them and finding out a little bit through them. And so I reached out to Heather and I asked, look, I'm, I'm speaking on this idea of sound. And what have you learned? I asked her, what have you learned, you know, as it pertains to Allison and how she's growing up? How would you quantify or how would you describe the importance of sound, and, and maybe to switch it around, what, what's the challenge if you aren't able to hear? And she said something so, so brilliant. She told me that, you know, if she watches how her two children, Leland, her son, and Allison, her daughter, how they've grown, Allison requires further explanation on things that Leland's able to connect the dots because she said like this, she said, sound almost teaches us through osmosis. It affects us when we don't even realize it. And so Leland's able to make connections that I have to explain to Allison in more detail because she's never heard. And I thought that was such a powerful way of enforcing this idea of how powerful sound is. Now, maybe some of you are like, why are you talking about this? I'll get to that in a minute. But I, want you, I just want you to understand before we go any further how unbelievably powerful the, your sense of sound is and how it has the power to literally move, shape, and direct your whole life. Now, this isn't anything I took out of a book. This is just something I thought about off the top of my head about how sound affects us. Think about this. The power of sound, first, it, it gives you the power of interpretation. Sound is actually a tool that we have that helps us understand the what, the who, the how. It actually gives us clues into meaning and dynamics. Think about it like this. You've never watched a movie that didn't have sound. In fact, the, the, even the old, you know, silent films weren't silent. They would always have someone accompany it by playing music to give dynamics to the picture. Movie producers and, and storytellers know that without the dynamic of sound, you're going to miss the meaning. A lot of the time, you and I don't realize how much it's affecting our interpretation just by how we're hearing what we're seeing. So maybe you, you could do this after. I don't want us to get shut down here on Facebook and YouTube today. But when we're done, why don't you go to YouTube and Google the Elf trailer, the movie Elf with Will Ferrell. Google it. Somebody put it together as a horror trailer. Now, there's nothing scary to be seen in it. But what they did was they substituted the 
up, upbeat, kind of funny, quirky music that comes with Elf that makes us laugh with suspenseful music. And it, it literally, they took the same pictures and they turned it into something suspenseful through the power of sound. Sound actually helps us interpret and we don't realize it very often. I also saw this funny, funny video of a sporting event that had swapped the sounds. That It actually shows you how used to certain sounds you are until they're different. Check, check out the power of sound in this video. Cristiano Ronaldo with a shot to get back to even. Really has a chance to sink this one. It should go a bit right to left, but he's got a good look at it. We'll need the ball back in his stance just a bit. Solid contact, and he sinks it. Really nice stroke there. Tigers found an opening on 12. He needs this four-foot putt for par. All he needs to do is take it. Is so just by switching the audio experience at a sporting event, it throws everything into a conundrum. Sound helps us understand meaning. It helps us interpret the who and the what and the where. Sound helps us understand where something's coming from. It's through hearing that we know that there's traffic coming this way or that way before we even see it. Sound is the reason a baby can recognize its mother by the sound of its, their voice. Sound gives us clues into interpretation. Sound also helps transport us. It can actually take you someplace. Now, I know I'm speaking metaphorically here, but sound has the power to actually move us and take us. It can take us to another time. I'll never hear the Etta James song, At Last, without picturing myself and immediately being at the altar in my tuxedo, watching my bride come down the, come down the aisle to say, I do. The moment I hear that song, I'm taken there. Sound has the ability of transportation. It can take you to another time. It can take your head to another place. If I sing, close your eyes, make a wish, and blow out the candlelight. Where'd you just go? I'm going to need you to come back from where you just went. Maybe later, mom and dad, just not right now. It can take you to other places. It has the power of transportation. It also has the power of association. It really can frame up your association. It can lock you into alignment. Now, what do I mean by that? Power, uh, sound has the power to actually lock you in. How about this for an example? If I, if I say, bazinga, immediately all of you Big Bang Theory people have associated Sheldon Cooper. Immediately. It has the power to actually bring us together, doesn't it? Even in time, it has the power. Like if I do this, sweet Caroline. Yes, hundreds of households across Atlantic Canada just simultaneously went, ba, 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 good times never, right? Sound has the power to bring alignment. It locks us in. It's, it's this incredibly powerful, powerful sense. It's power, it's, uh, sorry, sound has the power as well of transformation. It can actually change your mood. It can change your attitude. It can change the atmosphere. S the sound of someone's voice saying the wrong thing can change how you feel. The sound of someone's voice saying the right thing can change how you feel. A song on the radio can bring about certain emotions. Sound is unbelievably powerful. Now, okay, proving my point. Why does this matter? Why are we talking about this? Just hang with me for a minute. If sound has the power to shape our life, like if, if literally 
sound in some ways, to, to rob the phrase, tracks our lives, if sound really has that kind of power, is it possible then that, that what you hear might actually be the difference between worry and confidence, between anxiety and peace, between exhaustion and rest, between joy or bitterness? Is it possible that sound has that kind of power to direct and affect our lives, to shape it? That there's literally this soundtrack that can inform and form us in our day-to-day -day lives. The Bible actually speaks of this. Now, I know I'm speaking figuratively and, and, and maybe spiritually, but the Bible actually tells us that we as Christians are not supposed to live by sight. We live by faith. And it tells us that faith comes not through what we see, but through what we hear. So your hearing, your sound, the sound actually has the power to track and shape our lives. Now that we've got that established, I think we're ready to jump into our text today. I want you to just get a grip of how what you hear, the dominant sounds of your life might be creating the life and the atmosphere and the environment and the attitudes and the expectations of your whole existence without you even realizing it. So I want you to, if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Revelation chapter 4. We're going to, this is our last week in chapter 4. We have, for those of you just joining us, we've been doing a Bible study week in, week out since January, looking at the book of Revelation, asking God, what does it mean and what does it mean for us in the here and now? And last week, Pastor Seth did an incredible job taking us to the throne room. Literally, John, the writer of the book of Revelation, claims that Jesus appeared to him, opened a door of Revelation, and he stepped through it, and he starts to see heaven. And last week, we looked at the descriptions of heaven, and it was glorious. It was beautiful, incredible to know that he saw one who sits on the throne, not who might be on the throne, not who someday will be on the throne, who is currently on the throne. And he's not just on the throne. It tells us that he's clothed and surrounded in power and around him is a rainbow, which is a sign, if you were paying attention last week, of God's mercy. This was a beautiful picture that John relayed to the believers in the first century, but also to us today. But now things are going to shift from what John was seeing to what he was hearing. And I want to just put our ears in and lean our ears in and lean our faith in a little bit and see what God might want us to hear about the sounds of heaven today. Let's, as we have been all along, let's read the text and then I'm going to unpack it. I want to just encourage you right there in your living room or wherever you are, I want you to read this out loud. I want you to hear the sound of the word in the air as we read it together. So why don't you track along with me? Let's go ahead and read it and then I'll unpack it. Are you ready? All right, let's go. Also, it says, in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man, and the fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stop saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. 
Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and they say, listen to them say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will, they were created and have their being. Now, there is a lot going on here and I'm going to try to unpack it. But I want you to just, I want us for a minute to hear the sounds that are in heaven and see if we can't just sort of get ourselves in rhythm and in the melody of the song of heaven and how that might affect our lives right now today. Some of you are going through joblessness right now. You were laid off. Some of you are concerned about your health. Maybe you are at risk because you have some, you, you know, you're exposed or maybe you're dealing with coronavirus right now. What would the sounds of heaven do in your mind, your spirit, and in your life if you were able to hear them? I want us to lean in and take a look. First thing I want you to notice before we go any farther is not what John heard, but what John didn't hear. I, it's almost like my son, the, the night that the power went out, all of the sounds that he was hearing before were gone. He's no longer hearing. John, we, we're, we're told, was on the island of Patmos. He's no longer hearing the waves on the shore. He's no longer hearing the sounds of the mines where the, the Roman colonists would, would put people to work. He's no longer hearing the busyness of life. He's no longer hearing the chatter of the news. He's no longer hearing the power of the empire. It's all gone and gone silent. And now he's just hearing these few things. And I want us to hear it together. Let's, 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 let's unpack it. So first, verse 8, I want us to look, look again. It tells us that there are four living creatures. Really weird, really strange. I'll get to that in a minute. But it says, here's what they were saying. There was, a, there was one like an ox we read. There's one like a lion, one like an eagle, one like a man. They had wings and eyes. And it's just this bizarre picture. Again, give me a second. But what they were saying, here it is. John heard them. They were saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. What are they getting at? Now, last week I thought Seth did such an incredible job helping us understand something we're going to need in our tool bag if we're going to understand Revelation at all from this point on. The symbolism and imagery, the, the pictures that, that, that John is painting in this Revelation, the picture is pointing to something. They aren't the point. And so it's important that we don't lose the point for the picture. And Seth helped us, under, helped us understand that last week, that we're supposed to look in and see what John wants us to see. And these images are helping us. They're springboards into a greater message. And so we see here that John is telling us that before the throne were four mighty creatures, these amazing beasts, as it were. And they're surrounding the throne and there were four of them, an eagle, a lion, an ox, and a man. And now, if, if we dig a little deeper, here's, here's what you need to know, what this is speaking to. Four in the Bible is the number of creation. Four is the number that's, that, that you'll hear like the, the four winds or the, the four corners of the earth. Four is the number of creation. And in Hebrew culture, it was viewed that the pinnacle representations of creation were the lion, the ox, the eagle, and humanity. 
And so when John says, I saw four beasts or creatures, he's actually speaking to the the picture of the pinnacle of all of creation. He's speaking to these, these beings or these beasts that represent the culmination of all of the grandeur, splendor, majesty, and might of all of creation. He's saying the pinnacle of all of creation, the culmination of creation, are turned toward the throne and they are pointing to the Holy One saying, He is holy, holy, holy. Now, here's the word I want you to get. Here's what, what you need to hear about this God they're speaking about. Hear the sound of heaven. Hear the fact, the sound of God's transcendency. Transcendency, what does that mean? What is, what is transcendent? Transcendent means to be in a category all unto yourself. There's the levels and the standards that we, that we set. There's great and there's below. But then that which is above great is transcendent. And these great, mighty, majestic beings, like, like just picture it for a minute. If one of these things appeared before you today in your living room, your reaction would not be, hmm, neat. Your reaction would, you'd freak out. You'd absolutely freak out in fear and terror at the magnitude, might, and just unbelievable splendor and grandeur of these beings. And yet they are submitted and surrendered in awe, reverence, and wonder to the holiness of God. It's so important. This is such an incredible picture. The, the, the original audience, when they, when they read this or when they heard this read, they would have understood what this is saying. It's saying that among all of the great powers of the earth, the power of the tide, the power of the sun, the power of the moon, the power of the cosmos, the power of the soaring eagle and the might of the lion, the, the, the dominion of mankind, of all of those powers, they bow down and pale in comparison to who God is. In other words, what John is saying, what the picture and the sound of heaven is saying is that there is one God. One God. And there is no other. There's none beside him. There's no one beneath him. There's no one even around him. He's in a category all by himself. It doesn't go out the pecking order to where, notice, notice he doesn't say, you know, first the man, then the lion. It didn't matter at that point because they were all on level ground before the throne. See the transcendence of God. Now, now why does this matter? Why does this matter? Well, first thing I want you to hear is that the bass line, the bass drum, the kick beat of the song of heaven is that holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. That is the rhythm that sets the cadence of heaven. And there is no other. They're not throwing in there once in a while and Caesar. They're they're not doing that. They're not throwing in holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty and cancer. They're not doing that. It's just holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. Now the first Christians, when they heard this, when they would have heard this read at their church service, they would have immediately just been so encouraged and blessed by getting a picture to the throne of the universe and realizing that there's, there's only one who sits on it and nobody else is even rivaling it. For them, they would have been relieved to know that in spite of the hymns that Caesar would have had people sing, hymns like uh, the one true God, they would call him, or they'd call him the Holy One. 
hymns that he would have people sing, in spite of that, they would have been very relieved to know that on the throne there is only one who is holy, one who is set apart. He's not just set apart once. He's holy, holy, holy. This would have encouraged them. And why does this matter to you today? Because, listen, it's not COVID, COVID, COVID is so almighty. It's not economy, economy, economy is so almighty. What, what is the beat that you are marching to right now? It's holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. That undergirds all of creation. What John is saying is that all of creation at the beginning and the end of the day will cry, holy, holy, holy is Lord God Almighty. So your kingdoms will come and go. Your plans will come and go. All these things. There is one God and one God alone. He is transcendent. This is the bottom line. What is the baseline? What is the bottom line that you are established in today? Are you walking to the rhythm of the magnitude and holiness and splendor of God? Or are you getting caught up in that fast-paced tempo of the news? Or that fast-paced tempo of your anxiety? Sometimes I think we just need to take our minds up and listen for a moment. And just remind ourselves, hear the sound of heaven. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Let's keep going. What else did he hear? We also find out that the four living creatures said, they said something else. Not just is God in a category all unto himself, but holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Which is to say, this is not a temporary dominance. This is not a, a temporary, this is not a seasonal reign. This isn't something where you have to say, long live the king, because this king lives forever. This is a forever kind of reign. This is a forever dominion. This is so important. Here, here's the next, next observation I want to bring out. Hear the sound of God's eternality. Doesn't like just right now. I mean, every day, if you're like me, you're, you're looking at the news. You're hearing news reports. You're, 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 you're reading. You're trying to stay upbeat, or, you know, up with current events. Doesn't it seem so like just pressing and so final and so ultimate? But you know what the Bible tells us? You know what heaven tells us? Is that these, these trials that we're going through right now are temporary. They're here today and gone tomorrow. They, they come up and they go down. Like, like this is what the Bible tells us. You need, that's why we need to count our days. This is why David says, teach me to count my days, to number my days, so that I'm able to set myself in the realm and reality of eternity, not in my anxiety, not in my fear, not in this season. What? What is it saying? It's saying, hey, take your mind up. Listen to the sound of eternity. This mattered to the church because it would have been reassuring for them to know that before Caesar was, he was. While Caesar is, he is. And long after Caesar was, he will be. Isn't that encouraging for you to know? Like, look, God was God before the earth was formed. God was God at the end of the ice age. God was God at the beginning of the, of the, the turn of the century, of the, of the 20th century. God was God during the Spanish flu. God was God during World War I. God was God during the Great Depression. God was God during World War II. He was still God during Vietnam. He was God over the Cold War. And now he's God today in the digital age over the COVID crisis. It doesn't change. These things come and go, but holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty who was and is and is to come. What is the rhythm? What is the duration of the song that you let sing in your mind? Do not get caught up in the news cycle. 
Do not get caught up in the, in the scroll of your Facebook feed. You need to set your ear to heaven and actually hear that long beat and that long drum and that long song that has been sung since before creation ever was brought forth and will be there after heaven and earth pass away. The Bible says that heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of God will stand forever. We set our minds to eternity. I'll be the first to admit when my life gets really stressed, I find I get tossed around here and there and this pressure and that thing. And I got to do this and I got to do that. See, heaven reminds us and it actually invites us to, to set the rhythm of our lives to the rhythm and the beat and the movement of heaven. Hear the sound of God's eternality. What else? A couple more ideas and then we'll pray. It tells us that whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him and they worship him who lives forever and ever. And then they do this, these 24 elders, picture this now. They lay their crowns before the throne and they say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. Now, this is incredible. This is also confusing, so let's break it down. Now, we, we talked about the, the four living creatures and how they represent the, the authority of the created order, the authority of the animal kingdom, and the authority of the, the universe even. Now, what do the 24 elders represent? Now, there's a lot of theories as to what they represent. Some people think that John was, saw a vision that was actually speaking to the counterfeit that Caesar would walk in. Oftentimes, Caesar would roll around with an entourage of 12 priests on both sides of him wearing gold crowns. There's actually, this was actually a thing that was common for, for many Caesars. Some people believe that was the point, and that's who the 24 elders were. Some people believe, and I think this is, there's, there's good reason for it, that the 24 elders are actually the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 apostles represented before the throne. That, that may be, but I actually think who they are is not the point. I don't want you to think about, and, and I don't think John wants you to hear about who they are. He wants you to hear who they are talking about. They aren't the point. Who they're talking about is the point. These great elders with crowns and thrones we find before the throne bowing down, laying down their crowns and saying, you are worthy to receive glory, honor, and power. Now this is incredible. And I, I was thinking about this, you know, before the throne, these great elders, these kings, these people of esteem and honor and authority and worth, before this throne, they are nobodies. They're nobodies. They're off their thrones. Their crowns are down. Because why? There's only one king. There's only one who's worthy. And these people who we would say are great have recognized that he is worthy. Isn't that incredible? I, I, I thought about it like this. You ever notice how like greatness has a gravitational pull? Have you ever maybe, maybe your, your, your family gathered together back when we were allowed to do that when you had Thanksgiving? and you decide who's going to cook the turkey. Well, generally, the one who gets, you know, volunteered to do the cooking is the one who's what? The best at it. That everybody else would defer because, well, like if Wolfgang Puck is in your family, you know Wolfgang's going to cook, right? No one's going to be like, I'm not cooking. I can't cook. You're Wolfgang Puck, right? Or maybe, maybe sports. I, I identify more with that. If Michael Jordan's on my men's league team, and we're coming down to the wire, and we got to decide who takes the shot— all of us, if we have any self-awareness at all, are going to say, 
MJ takes the shot. Why? Because greatness draws to itself. And when, you, when someone is, is greater than you and you know it, you actually give them your authority. You give them your power. You give them your worth. You, give it, you heap it on them. This is how it works. And so this is why this picture is so powerful. This is why this picture is so powerful. It's showing that around, encircled in thrones, around these great majestic people, these rulers of the earth, these kings among men, there's only one who's supreme. And they surrender their worth before him. It speaks to the supremacy of God. I, I like that John doesn't name who these 24 elders were. Maybe the first Christians, when they heard this, they would have been like, well, we could say it was all the Caesars sitting there. And then when they saw the supreme worth of the Lord Almighty, they had to take their crowns off and realize that next to who he is, I'm nothing. And so they would have been encouraged to find out that Caesar, you know, Domitian was not mentioned in the annals of heaven. He wasn't great enough. There was only one who was worthy of that kind of praise. Isn't that incredible? How does that help you today? It helps you to remember that, you know what? The COVID crisis, cancer, death, joblessness, the economy crashing, all of those things, they will surrender their worth and their power to the one who, who deserves it, to the one who is supreme over all. This is kind of like what it means in Colossians when it talks about Jesus. And it says that he was the firstborn over all creation. He is the image of the invisible God. And it tells us that for whom and by whom all things were made and have their being. Meaning that he is preeminent or supreme over everything. It's an incredible encouragement when you start to hear the sound, not of your fears, not of the, the, the unknown, not of your anxiety, not of your heartbreak, not of your, your, whatever, your appetites. You start to hear the sound of the supreme worth of the Lord Almighty. I wonder if this isn't a season where God is, is, is removing some of the sounds of our regular lives. I wonder if this isn't a season where the sound is gone. Some of the sounds of the day-to-day -day pace we were living is gone and we need to start tuning in and getting things in right order and putting the king who really is the king of all kings back on his throne over our lives. Paul, or sorry, John tells us that the sound of heaven speaks to his supremacy and that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Do you, know that, do you know that worry is a form of worship? And that if you are giving your attention and your affection to worry, here's what you need to remind yourself of. The thing that you are worried about will one day bow its knee to the supremacy of who God is. All of a sudden that begins to free us up, doesn't it? We start to remind ourselves cancer will bow its knee to, to God. Politicians will bow before the Almighty. Time itself will bow before the Almighty. He is supreme over all. Last thought, and then I'm going to pray. I hope, I hope you're hearing the sound. I hope you're hearing the sound of, of God being the only God and God being the only one worthy of our worship and God being a forever God. He's not coming or going. He just is, was, is, and is to come. And now here's the last little thing I want us to look at. It says that they lay their crowns down before the throne. They say, you are worthy our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. And now watch this. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. 
Now, I wish I had more time because in some of the translations, it says like, because, because you created all things. It's a really cool kind of, kind of contrast between the four living creatures that represent creation. They, they couldn't help but give worship. But the, the, the 24 elders actually had reason. They made a choice. They said, I have looked at things that, that you know, they say they're worthy and I have, I have considered it and I have come to find that only you are worthy. It's really cool. And then he says, then it says, you created all things and by your will they were created. What's the last thing it's getting at? Hear the sound of God's sovereignty. What is sovereignty? Sovereignty means God is so powerful and God is so secure and so certain in his godness that everything is going to happen just as he wills it. Breathe that in for a second. Like everything that happens on earth, I know, I know there's, there's all kinds of questions that come up. Why, do, why does God let bad things happen to good people? There are actually some really good answers for that. We'll hit that another day. But I just want those of you who've come to learn to trust God, what does it do for you to know that the COVID crisis has had to pass through his permission? And that the whole world is passing through his sovereign hand. That there's nothing affecting you. There's nothing you're facing that is sovereign over God. Now, sometimes I think we, we, we look at our lives and we start to worry. We start to tremble at the powers that we are kind of having to deal with in life. And yet in heaven, it tells us that it's, it's him who created everything. And by his will, everything has its being meaning that he holds the past, the present, and the future. He holds the heavens and the earth, that it all passes through his sovereign hand. Just listen for a minute. Like, what does that do when you get the rhythm and you get the melody of the fact that God holds your future? God holds your present, and he even has a hold of your past. That's an incredible thing. It brings peace, doesn't it? You know, I was, when I was a kid, I was taught two songs. In fact, I don't ever remember hearing them for the first time. That's how long I've known these two songs. And these two songs um, are probably the most potent songs for theology that you'll ever get. The first song, I, never, I don't remember ever learning it. I just remember knowing it my whole life is this, this little kid's song. It goes like this. He's got the whole world in his hand. He's got the whole world. In his hand, you know what? He's got the whole world. Sing it. In his hand, he's got the whole world in his hands. Yeah. And that's an amazing thing. However, there's another song I was taught that helps frame this in. It's one thing to believe that there's a God who, who has the whole world in his hand. But what if that God's not good? What if that God is not for you? What if that God doesn't want the best for you? What if that God doesn't have plans to prosper you, give you a hope and a future? Then all of a sudden, that's a scary prospect. God becomes the big problem. And yet I was taught another song to help me understand the fact that this mighty God is for me. And the song goes like this. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him are strong. Or sorry. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. You know the song. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. 
that theology will change your life. Get that song in your spirit. Remind yourself that the same God who holds all creation, the God who his, his very will gives breath to all the animals and plants and the, 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 the patterns of the cosmos and gravity and the tides, that same great and mighty God actually cares for you. And how do you know this? Because he gave his son for you. That's how much he cares for you. That's why one of my favorite verses in Romans where it says, how could he who did not spare his own son for us, not also along with him, graciously give us all things. If you're having trouble trusting God in this season, look at the cross. You can trust somebody who would die for you. Here's my last question I want to ask you. What is the soundtrack that is playing in your life? What is the dominant sound? Is it, is it worry? Is it anxiety? Is it fear? Is it depression? Is it regret? Is it shame? Can I suggest to you that there is a song and there is a sound in heaven? that can actually frame in a life that takes you from, from mourning to dancing, from sorrow to joy, from death to life, from shame to righteousness. This, this reality, this sound can absolutely shape and change and transform your whole life. I've been thinking about this. What if the secret to life isn't like what you see or even understand? What if like the secret of life is actually getting in rhythm and getting in tune and getting in alignment with the song and the sound of heaven? What if it's just having that baseline of God is God, God is God, cancer is not, God is God, fear is not, God is God, the economy is not, God is God, my health is not, God is God, my family is not. And what if you remind yourself every single day that this, this song was going long before you were ever born. It's going right now and it will go on and on throughout eternity. Throughout eternity. It'll never ever stop. And what if you get that song in your head and you realize this isn't just somebody we're worshiping among other great names. He is supreme over all. And that cancer and COVID and joblessness and fear will all bow before him. The Bible says every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And what if you trusted that he is able to cause all things to come together for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purposes? That has the power to change everything, doesn't it? I want to pray together before we worship one last time today. Let's, uh, if you're with your family, maybe just reach out and grab a hand. Let's, I want to pray this simple prayer. I'm going to ask that God would begin to put new sounds in your spirit this week. New sounds in your heart, new sounds in your mind. And you begin to hear that the, you wouldn't maybe get caught up marching to the beat of your own drum. You start to march to the beat of heaven. You wouldn't get caught up in the, in the news cycle. You get caught up doing another round of the chorus they sing in heaven. That's my prayer for you today and this week. And I'm going to pray that God, the atmosphere of heaven starts to actually invade your life and invade your home. And that regardless of the things that are going on in your world, there is a reality in heaven right now that is left untouched that you are able to access and you are able to actually receive and to benefit from in the here and now. So let me pray for us. Father, thank you today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this beautiful sound, not just a picture that was painted for us, but 
actually something you want us to hear today. You want, Holy Spirit, you want your church to hear the word that says, you know what, there is only one God. Let all other idols, let all other things that have tried to compete for that place in your mind, lay them down, turn back to God. Turn back to God today. Set him back on his throne because it is only his. Only God is holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. So Father, I pray for every household, every marriage, every father, every son, every daughter, every mother, every brother, every sister, every friend, I pray today, God, that there would be a return of the knowledge of a holy God like never before. And that as we see you, Lord, that our faith in you, as you increase, our worries would decrease. And as you grow great, we would grow small and that we would realize that you are mighty and able and that you're able, Lord, where things look impossible, you're able to do whatever you want because your sovereign hand guides my life. And so, Lord, we give you the keys, we give you our crowns, and we ask God, we give you all of our worship, and we ask, Lord, that you would guide our lives, that we would get caught up in the rhythm and the cadence and the sound of heaven. And I pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Have a great week, church. We love you.